Hey, uh, quick question. Um, is anyone pumped to be out of school? Is that, is that anyone? Yeah. Man, we are, uh, we're so pumped that you are out of school and so excited that you are here with us today. And uh, I, man, I'm just excited for what summer is going to bring. I think it's going to be awesome. I know some of you are already dreaming of going to the beach. Is that anyone? Anyone excited about going to the beach? Getting a tan, maybe? Yeah. Maybe, uh, maybe playing Clash of Clans. Just kidding. Don't play that game. It's terrible. It's a waste your time. It's a waste of time. Well, man, we are so excited. And here's the best part. Here's the best part. Even though school has ended, M12 is not. We're doing this all summer long. So check it out. Next, next week, we're starting a brand new series called Yard Sale. It's going to be unbelievable, including, including a day coming up called Thrift Shop Night, where you have to wear, everything you wear has to be from a thrift shop. Everything from a thrift shop. Uh, good point. Uh, except underwear. I draw the line at underwear. That's, that's just gross. Don't do that. But everything else. Hey, and then in July, in July we're doing a series called Red Letter Prayers that I'm especially excited about. It's a series that changed my life when I was younger, and I think it could change your life too. And then something else, what's that, 21st through 25th? What is that right there? NTS. Come on. I'm telling you, if you don't do anything else this summer, go to NTS camp. It's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be so good. Now, uh, for those of you that have been with us, we've been in this series called Next. And the whole idea, the big idea of Next is that all of us, all of us in this room, uh, whether you've been here before or this is your first time, whether you really like church or you don't really like church, no matter who you are, all of us are kind of in this stage where we're getting ready to go to the next stage of life. So for some of you, that next stage of life started today with summer break, and you're pumped up about all the plans that you have for summer, right? School is done, so your next is summer. And then I know there's some people in here that your next is being in high school, Anyone excited about that? Yeah. Also, we've got, uh, I think we've got some rising sixth graders in the room. So your next is middle school. So you get to hang out with us all next year. It's going to be awesome. For some of you, for some of you, your next is maybe the next grade, like from going from sixth to seventh grade, or maybe going seventh to eighth grade. Yeah. Oh, or... There's some people that your next is like you were in a relationship, but now you're not in a relationship. And so your next is hashtag single people, right? Like that's what, that's what's all about. Or, or, or maybe yours is the opposite. Your next, your next may be going from being single to actually dating someone. Is that anyone? No. Don't date anyone. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. But here's the deal. When we first started, when we first started this series, uh, the very first week, two weeks ago, I made a comment, and I believe the comment is true, um, but we really didn't have too much time to actually unpack what I said. And so I want to actually go back to what we said about two weeks ago, because maybe when you heard it, you kind of felt a little bit of tension. You were like, I don't, I don't know about that phrase. This is the phrase that I said the very first week. I said, God's next, God's next is for our best. God's next is for our best. What I mean by that is the plans that God has for you are actually better than the plans you have 
for you. In other words, God knows what's best for you better than you do. So the plans that God has for you are better than the plans you have for you. And so for some of you, that might make you feel a little anxious, a little upset, because in your mind, you're like, no, 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 I, like, I make plans for me. Like, I have dreams for me. I have ideas. I have this future in store for me, right? Like, you go make your plans. I'm going to do me. Right? I'm going to do me. You do you. I'm going to do me, right? Like, you make your plans. Let me do my plans. And so the thought of giving anyone else control of your next is actually kind of a scary thought when you think about it. Because, because maybe you ask some questions like, well, well, how do I know? Like, how do I know that I'm going to have a good time? How do I know that I'm not going to get in trouble? How do I know that, that I can actually go along with these plans? And really, whenever, whenever it comes to like giving our next to someone else, giving control of our next to someone else, the question we're really asking is this, can I trust them? Like, can I actually trust them? Can I trust them with my next, with the plans that I have for me? Can I actually trust them? See, this is why, this is why whenever you make plans for anyone else, you use two magical words. You know what those words are? You say, trust me, right? Hey, hey, trust me. Hey, trust me. You're going to have a great time. Trust me. Trust me. She's cool, right? Trust me. Like, I promise, trust me, trust me, no one's going to get in trouble. Or, uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the doctors and the doctor said, trust me, it won't hurt a bit. And you're like, uh-uh, wrong, right? Say, trust me, because, because whenever it comes to our next, the biggest question that we ask is, can I trust them? Um, about, about three years ago, my wife was actually driving home from work, and her car broke down, which is not good. Uh, we lived in downtown Atlanta, and so uh, she gave me a call. She said, the car is broken down. I don't know what to do, so I drove over to see if I could if I could do anything, again, I, like, I'm no car mechanic. I don't really know too much about cars, but I was like, let me see what I can do. So uh, I went over there. I, I, I tried just what little I knew. But no matter what we tried, I could not get the car to start. Like, nothing, nothing worked. Couldn't get the car to start. Um, again, we were, in, we were in downtown Atlanta. So uh, actually, some, like, this homeless guy came up to me. And, and he, offered, he offered to help, which is how you know you're not in a good spot. Like, for the record, like, when a, when a homeless guy comes up to you and says, can I help you? Like, that's supposed to be the opposite. Anyways, and so, so uh, we weren't in a good spot, and no matter what I tried, I couldn't get the car to start. So I, uh, I ended up calling up all these different places, these different car mechanics, to see if we could get anyone to fix Catherine's car. But again, it was already after, like, closing time, so no matter who we tried, everyone, everyone was closed for the day. Uh, except, except for AutoZone. AutoZone was still open, and AutoZone said, actually, if you tow your car to AutoZone, um, we've got this traveling mechanic named Norris that'll come, and he can take a look at the car. Now, again, like, I, I, I don't know why, but, like, that just didn't really sit well with me. Like, I didn't have warm fuzzies about some random dude in downtown Atlanta named Norris coming to fix my car. Like, that just, I don't know, it didn't, it didn't sound official, I guess, uh, but, again, we were out of options. This was the only thing we could do. So... Pull up to AutoZone, like we get the car towed to AutoZone, and then Norris shows up on the scene. And Norris is driving a piece of junk, man. Like his car was, like it, it was barely held together. Maybe like some duct tape was actually holding this thing together. And I'm, and I'm looking at his car, and I'm like, bro, you're going to fix my car? Like fix your own car? For, like he did not do a good job of advertising his skills if he's going to show up on the scene uh, with, a, with a broken car. 
Um, like, have you ever heard the phrase, never trust a skinny chef? Have any of you ever heard that? Right? Because a chef cooks food, and if he's skinny, he's probably not eating his food, which means he's probably not cooking that well. His food's probably not that good. And so I felt the same way about this guy. I was like, how can I trust this dude showing up in a hoopty? Like this thing, I'm telling you, this thing is, as you say, ratchet. Did I say it right? I'm just kidding. I know it's not that. Anyways, it was. I'm telling you. It was awful. Like this car was terrible. But again, like I don't have any other options. So I go up to Norris and I'm like, hey, uh, no matter what we try, I can't seem to get the car to start. And uh, Norris is not a man of many words. And so I don't even think he said anything to me. He just reached inside his car and he, uh, and he pulled out a hammer. Yeah. Um, again, I'm no car mechanic, but hammers are used to like nail things to a wall, right? Or like nail two pieces of boards together. And I don't know if Norris knew this, but my car doesn't have any nails. You know, like what are you going to do with a hammer? But again, like, like I'm just not feeling good about if I can actually trust this guy named Norris. So he crawls under my car, takes the hammer and starts banging on something metal. Like literally, he's just banging on the underside of my car. Um, so I go from like not being sure if I can trust Norris to definitely sure I cannot trust Norris, right? He's banging on my car with a hammer. There's no way this guy is actually going to fix the car. So after banging on the car for about 10 seconds, he goes, um, try it now. Okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Cause banging on my car with a hammer is totally going to work. Awesome. Norris, let me just do that right now. So I put the key in the ignition and the car starts. Seriously, it started right there. And so I went from like not being sure if I could trust Norris to definitely being sure I couldn't trust Norris to, oh my goodness, you're a magician. Like this guy is uh, like, he has some Harry Potter like wizardry going on because he made my car work and I don't understand it at all. And so sure enough, he goes to AutoZone, he buys this part and there in downtown Atlanta, he fixes, he fixes my car. In fact, we got a picture. This is, uh, that's Norris right there. And he's, he's fixing the car. Uh, and this is downtown Atlanta, so pretty sure that was a drug deal. I don't know. Like, I can't tell, but it could have been. Who knows? And, uh, but yeah, he fixed my car. See, I, I gave control of my next to this guy named Norris. Because, again, this car wasn't working, and we needed to be at work the next day. So I gave control of my plans, my future, my next to Norris. And the biggest question I was asking was, can I trust him? Can I trust him? And the answer was yes. In fact, I trust him so much right now that anytime my friends who live in Atlanta have any car issues, I give them Norris's cell phone. I have Norris's cell phone right now because of how much I trust this guy. And so again, whenever you give control of your next to someone else, you're always asking the question, can I trust them? Can I trust them? And, and if it's true, if it's true that God's next is for our best, and if it's true that, that God knows what's best for us better than we do, and that the plans God has for you is better than the plans you have for you, then the real question we're asking is this. Can I trust God? Like, can I trust God? If God has plans for my next, then can I trust God? And this is the same question that the Israelites were asking. See, we've been going through this story of the time the people of God were rescued from slavery in Egypt and then brought to the edge of the promised land. 
But I don't know if you've noticed, the past two weeks we've been talking about the fact that these people have been right on the edge of the promised land, but we still have yet to actually see them in the promised land, right? Like God made these promises. God said, one day you're going to be in this land flowing with milk and honey. One day there's going to be this unbelievable land for you. One day you're going to be in this next, and I promise you, this next is for your best, but they had yet to actually get to the promised land. And so the question they're asking was, well, can we trust God? Like, is God actually going to follow through? Is God going to fulfill his promise to us? And so we're going to learn the end of the story today as is found in Joshua chapter 6. So go ahead, grab your Bibles. They should be under your chair, maybe in your lap. Uh, I want to look at Joshua chapter 6, and this is on page 217, page 217. Joshua chapter 6. And again, you got to get it in your head that the people of God have literally been waiting to be in the promised land for hundreds upon hundreds of years. Many, many years before this, God made a promise, and he said, one day I will bring you into the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now, hundreds of years later, the people of God are right at the edge of their necks. In fact, this is the closest they had ever been to the promised land. See, our story picks up when the entire nation is looking down on the promised land. They literally see it with their own eyes. This is the promised land. This is the land that God has for us. And so the first city they come to is a city called Jericho. Jericho is inside the promised land. To take Jericho means to take the promised land. And so our story picks up verse 1, chapter 6. Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So in other words, uh, these, these people in Jericho, they heard about the Israelites. They heard, they heard that God rescued them from slavery in Egypt and he brought them into the promised land to take over Jericho. So because they heard this, they said, uh-uh, we're not giving up without a fight. And so they hunkered down, they get inside Jericho and they lock the doors. They say, if you're going to come take the promised land, you got to go through us. And then verse 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see... I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. (laughs) See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands. Okay, Uh, really, God? Like, you really deliver Jericho into our hands? Because again, God, I I, I don't know, maybe it's just me. Maybe like from where where you're standing, like your vision might be blurry. But I'm looking at Jericho, and it's not delivered into our hands. Like, the people are still there, the king is still there, all the warriors are still there, all the fighting men are still there, the walls are still high. What do you mean you've delivered Jericho into our hands? God, it doesn't look at all like you've delivered Jericho into our hands. It looks like there's still a war, it looks like there's still a battle, it looks like there's no way we're going to get into the promised land. In other words, God, I don't know if I can trust you. God, I'm not sure if I can trust you with this next. And, uh... If I was Joshua, again, I don't know, but if I was Joshua, I think I might expect God to, like, unveil this amazing military strategy. Like, actually, Joshua, great question, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to send, like, 25% of the people up to the front, and then, like, 50% of the people to the side, and then some people on some ships, and I'm telling you, you're going to take over that place, it's going to be awesome. But God doesn't do that. Nor does God give them this, like, unbelievable weapon. Like, like something that all the angels worked together on and like fashioned. It was like made of gold and shot rainbows at Jericho. Like that didn't happen. God didn't give them some crazy weapon. 
Instead, he gave them some really weird instructions. He says, so here's how you're going to do it. <laughs> March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the army will go up, everyone straight in. <laughs> so, so God, your strategy, just to make sure we're clear, your strategy is that we go to where all these people are, where all the warriors are, where the walls are really high, and you want us to play a giant game of duck, duck, goose, and just like go around the city, and that's it. Oh, and then we're going to like play some like instruments, like trumpets, and then we're going to shout, and then we're going to win. Like that's how we're going to win. That's how we're going to get into the promised land. God, that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand that at all. That's crazy. And what's really crazy <laughs> is that Joshua trusted God. Even though these instructions didn't make any sense, even though it seemed like there was no way they could actually get the promised land, Joshua trusted, he trusted God. He did. So he gathered up all the Israelites and he said, all right, I know this sounds crazy, but this is what God says. God says, we need to go and we need to march around the city like a bajillion times. And then after we do that, then supposedly the wall's going to come down. And again, I don't, I don't know, but maybe Joshua trusted God because to know what God is doing, you remember what God has done. And so maybe Joshua remembered all the stuff that God had already done to rescue them from Egypt. And maybe that helped him trust God. Or maybe Joshua made decisions based on God's word, not his worries. Because even though it didn't make any sense, God had spoken, right? God said that Jericho was delivered into their hands. And so he trusted them, and they went, they marched around the city, and then it gets to this climax, to this point where finally they're getting ready to take Jericho and skip down to verse 20. This is what happens. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. And just like that, they got in the promised land. They trusted what God said, even though the instructions didn't make any sense. And then they found God's promises came true. Now, now this, I don't know if you realize this, this actually happened. Like thousands upon thousands of years ago, this actually happened. And so I love it when we can kind of like bring these stories to life. And I feel like we have uh, a good amount of people in here to do this. So I wonder if we can pretend to be Israelites for just a second. Can we do that? Okay, so here's what we're going to do. I need you to imagine, okay, I need you to imagine that, that you're an Israelite and that you're getting ready to enter into the promised land. And again, remember, the promised land is not this new thing. The promised land is something you've heard about since you were a kid. Like, literally, your grandparents came up to you and they said, hey, hey, listen, God promised that one day he would deliver us into this promised land. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. It's far better than anything we've ever been to before. This land is supposed to be unbelievable. And maybe, maybe, one day, when you get older, you're going to be able to see it. Because, see, we're praying about it and we're hoping for it, but I don't know if we're ever going to be able 
to see it, but maybe one day you will. And then as you grow up and as you get older and older, you keep praying and you keep dreaming about the promised land. What's it going to be like? I can't wait for the milk and honey. I can't wait till we finally, finally, finally get to the promised land. And then that day comes where you see Jericho and you see the promised land. This is the land you've been waiting for, that your grandparents and your grandparents' grandparents have been waiting for. This is it. And then Joshua says, this is crazy. We got to march around the walls. And so you're marching around the walls with with Joshua, with all the armed men, and then the last thing that stands between you and the promised land that you've heard about all your life is a scream. And so all you got to do is scream. And you hear the sound of the trumpet, and you know it's time for you to yell. And not just some normal yell. This is like blood curdling from the belly. I'm talking gladiator. I'm talking, uh, I'm talking Braveheart. Like as loud as you possibly can, you scream. And you know that scream will bring down the wall. So I'd love for all of us to scream together right now. So here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to count down. I'm going to go three, two, one. And then after I say one, I need you to yell as loud as you possibly, like all of the energy that you have from being out of school, all of the energy that you have from thinking about summer. Again, this is the promised land and you got to yell. This is Sparta. That's exactly right. I'm going to... I, uh, I think I like tweaked my back. I don't know. That was intense. You guys sounded good. And so imagine, you yell at the top of your lungs, and then thick wall turns to rubble. And the city, the city turns to dust. And you walk in to the promised land. The land you've been dreaming about, the land you've been praying for, the next that you knew God had for you, but you never got to see with your own eyes. And then you realize something. You realize that God's promise came true. You realize that God actually followed through with what he said. This is what you realize. Even in trouble, even in trouble, God can be trusted. Even in trouble... God can be trusted. See, even though the walls are high, God can be trusted. Even though the city was full of warriors, God can be trusted. Even though the plan seemed crazy, God can be trusted. Even though there seemed no way, God can be trusted. Even though there's pain, God can be trusted. Even though you hurt, God can be trusted. Even when your parents split up, God can be trusted. Even when you feel alone, God can be trusted. Even though he broke up with you, God can be trusted. 
even though your friends ignore you, God can be trusted. No matter what you're going through, God can be trusted. There are promises he's made and he will fulfill those promises. Because no matter what happens, God can be trusted. I'm telling you, God has a promised land for each one of you. Because God cares about you more than you can possibly imagine. This same God that brought down the walls also sent his son to die for you, to prove once and for all that he cares more about you than you can possibly, possibly imagine. And so God has a promised land in store for you, and I'm telling you, his next is for your best. His next is better for you than the plans that you have for you. And I know it's scary and I know it's weird to give control of your next to someone else, but even in trouble, God can be trusted. He can be trusted. And so tonight, I would love for us to pray about the promised land that God has specifically for us. And so what I want you to do is I want you to reach under your chair. There should be a card that says, my promised land. My promised land. And I've been, uh, I've been praying for you guys this week. And before, before you write anything down, I just want you to have that card in front of you. I've been praying for you this week, and I've been praying for uh, what I believe our promised land is. And see, I... I think, there's, uh, I think there's really two categories of promised lands, like two buckets of promised lands. Um, one is community, and the other is personal. Um, so one is community, one is personal. And here's what I mean. When the people of God walked into the promised land, that was a community promised land. It wasn't one person that went in the promised land. It was an entire group of people. And I think, I think God has something in store for this group in this room. I think he does. I think God has something in store for you better than you can possibly imagine. And I think this group, God wants to take M12 and bring us somewhere new. But I also think he has personal promised lands for us. See, because although he is bringing all of us somewhere, I think he's also bringing us individually somewhere as well. So a promised land for you. A promised land for you. A promised land for you. Remember the story of Caleb? God had a promised land specifically for Caleb. And so, again, I, I don't know if this is like, this isn't the full list by any means, but as I've been praying and I've been thinking about y'all, these are what I believe God has in store for us. These are the promised lands I think he has for us. So the first one is community. I think there's three. One is moving upstairs. The past couple months, we've been growing in size, and we're starting to run out of empty chairs to invite our friends to. And we don't want there to be anything that stands in the way from our friends knowing who Jesus is. And so I believe, and I don't know when this is going to happen, but I believe God has a promised land for us that involves us moving upstairs into a larger space so we can have more people to be a part of M12. I think he has that for us. And so maybe for you, maybe God's laying that on your heart and you're thinking, I need to be consistent, I need to be here, and I, do, uh, I need to invite friends so that we can move to our promised land upstairs. 
the other promised land um, is to bring more to camp. And I know we've talked a lot about camp. We've talked about how we won the trophy and then we, uh, they stole it from us and we stole it from them. And again, that's definitely part of why we're going to camp because we think we're going to win and it's going to be awesome and we want you to be a part of that. But that's not the main reason we're going to camp. The main reason we're going to camp is because the people that went to camp last year, their lives were forever changed. And not only were their lives individually changed, but when they came back, the group began to change. And so I believe that, I believe that the more people that go to camp, the more M12 will change and the more God will bring us into his promised land. Because if one person goes to camp, then their lives will no doubt be changed. I fully believe that. But I think the impact is greater if we had 10 people go to camp, or 20. Last year, between middle school and high school, we brought a total of 24 students from this campus to camp, which is awesome. And God changed lives, and he changed this group because of that. Now, already, we're not even... Uh, we're not even like halfway done with signups of camp, and we already have 58 people signed up for camp. Already. It's unbelievable. And that's just this campus. Throughout 12 Stone, we have over 200 people. But listen, I think God has more for us. See, I think, I think the promised land that God has for us is even greater than that, because I think God's next is really for our best. And I know that some of you have like cheer camp and some of you have other stuff going on and prior obligations and I get that. But if you're sitting on the fence and you're wondering, go to camp. I'm telling you, God will change our community through what happens at camp. And the last one, community, is summer attendance. We've talked about the fact that we're doing this all summer long and we'll continue to do that. And I'm so fired up uh, about what God has for us this summer. But listen, last summer, last summer, there were students whose lives were changed because they committed to going to M12 all summer. See, because God is doing something here. And summer, you have more freedom, you have more time, you have more energy than any other time of the year. And I've noticed this in students' lives. Summer is a time of either spiritual breakthrough or spiritual breakdown. That some students wreck their spiritual lives because they choose to distance themselves from communities like in 12. While other students grow exponentially, they grow so much greater than they could have possibly imagined because they're a part of stuff like this. So as long as you're in town, again, I know some of you are going on vacation and that's totally great, but as long as you're in town, commit to being here. I believe God has something for us here at M12. Now, I also believe that God has something in store for each one of you individually. And so, again, these are just a few thoughts. Maybe this is true for you, maybe not. Maybe God is pressing on you that the, that the promised land he has for you is reading scripture every day. Because, again, this summer you have more time than ever before. And maybe God's saying, would you spend time with me? Would you be consistent? Would you listen to my voice through scripture and read every day? Or maybe, maybe it's having an accountability partner. Maybe it's pairing up or getting a group of three or four guys and being honest with one another and saying, look, I need help. Would you help me? Maybe God wants to do that this summer. Or maybe, maybe it's the name of a friend who doesn't know Jesus 
that you want to see come to know Jesus. I know there's some of you in here that you care so much for your friends, and the thought of your friend not knowing Jesus breaks your heart, and you want them to accept Jesus. And in your mind, you think, if they ever accepted Jesus, that would be my promised land. That would be unbelievable. (laughs) But I don't think it's going to happen. I mean, Steve, if you knew them, you knew that would never happen. Maybe. But I'm telling you this. There are people sitting in this room today that when they came to M12 and when they walked up front or they accepted Christ, there are adults and other students that came up to me, pointed at those students and said, I never thought they would accept Christ. I never thought I would see them here making that decision. And so who knows? Maybe your friend that you're praying for is the promised land God has for you. So maybe God would have you write down the name of a friend who doesn't know Jesus. Or maybe the name of friends that you want to be a part of this community. Because you've got friends that you think, man, if they would just be a part of this. So maybe God's pressing on your heart to invite them and to bring them. Or maybe this summer your promised land is a habit that you need to break. And God wants to help you with that. And God wants to bring you to your next I'm telling you, God's next is for our best. But the question is, will you trust Him? Will you trust Him with your next? Even in trouble, even in trouble, God can be trusted. So let me pray for you. God, I know, I know that giving control of our next to someone else is a scary, scary thing. And I know that, I know that uh, the plans that we have for us seem like they're for our best, but God, would you help us trust you? Would you help us say yes to you? And the plans that you have for us this summer, God, would we listen to you and follow after what you say? God, would you impress, would you impress on the lives of these students right now? Maybe the name of a friend or habit that needs to be broken, or maybe a commitment to see this group move upstairs. God, whatever it is, would you impress on them what their promised land is that you have for them? And would you remind them that they can trust you? They can trust you no matter what they're going through. And so we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to, uh, we're going to do something kind of unique. Um, the past couple weeks, we've been doing this series called Next, and at the end of every, every night, we've had a card that you filled out. And the first night, we talked about the fact that to know what God is doing, remember what God has done, and you wrote down your story. You wrote down how God rescued you. Some of you wrote down addictions that he's rescued you from, self-worth issues that he's rescued you from. Maybe you write down the name of friends who have, who have been there with you that God has used and you wrote down your story. And then last week, last week, we learned to make decisions based on uh, God's word, not our worries. And so some of you committed, you committed to memorizing scripture so that you would have God's word in your mind so that you would make decisions based on God's word, not your worries. And then tonight, even in trouble, God, God can be trusted. And so some of you wrote down the promised land that you believe God has for us. And what I want us to do right now is I want us to write down those things up on this board. We've got markers up front, and this moment is for everyone. 
And so maybe for you, God's saying to write down your story. And if you need to write down your story, I would encourage you to write down just a sentence. Just write down a sentence of your story. Maybe the name of a friend who helped you. Maybe the date that you accepted Christ. Write down just a sentence. Or maybe, maybe you've memorized scripture. And so you would come forward and you would write down the, the verse that God had you memorize. God's word that's in your mind right now. Or maybe you're praying about God's next for you this summer. God's next for this group this summer. And so maybe you would write down what you believe is the promised land that God has for us. But this moment is for everyone. And so the band is going to sing. And as they sing, I would invite all of you to come forward. There are markers on the stage to write down either your story, your verse, or your promised land. Let's worship.